as we prepare our hearts to go before the Lord in prayer together, uh, I want to let you know that Shirley Riggin is home, and she was thankful for the prayers of her church family on her behalf. Um, also, um, would ask that you continue to be in prayer for Don Crawford. Um, just uh, he um, needs our prayer support during this time. You know, as as we continue to pray for Jane Howerton and and a number of needs within our fellowship. Um, but as we go to um, to our heavenly Father in prayer, um, let us be thankful that. He is our provider, and we know that he cares for his children. Um, let's, let's pray together. Lord our God, um, we are nothing without you. Remind us today, Holy Spirit, of your faithfulness, of your goodness, of your might and your provision. Turn our hearts, yield our spirit to you, I pray. Begin to work in our community, begin to work in our state, begin to work in our nation, begin to work in our world, even as we think about the missionaries who are called to, to serve in various areas. And use us, I pray, to be a light of the gospel. Christ be glorified through Winstanley Baptist Church, your church. And Heavenly Father, we do um, express gratitude for the fact that Shirley is home. And we pray for Don Crawford and for Jane Howerton and for their continued um, treatment and healing and well-being. Um, Lord, I think of Pat Stump's friend, Kim, and the battle that she has now entered into. We know that you are the one who leads us, guides us, prepares us for whatever lie ahead. And I ask for your touch to be upon Kim. And Christ, now as we turn our hearts to the truth of the word, be glorified in this place. In your name we ask it. Amen. Uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a miracle as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. There are personal miracles. I can think of one sitting right here. Uh, Really, as I was thinking about miracles, I, it just boggled my mind to know that um, she was brought home in a pandemic and that just across the river was the one surgeon in the nation who can perform the surgery on her eyes that she needs. That's a miracle. Um, but then there are also supernatural miracles. They are miracles that defy the ordinary laws of nature. The first nine plagues on Egypt fall under this category. God sends the plagues upon Egypt in order to expose all its false gods 
there were at least 80, 80 major deities that the Egyptians worshipped. And they were all clustered around water, earth, and sky. The plagues divide into sets of three. Plagues one through three follow the sequence of going to Pharaoh in the morning, then to Pharaoh in his palace, and then no announcement at all to the Pharaoh. You can trace the same pattern in plagues four through six and plagues seven through nine. Go to Pharaoh in the morning, then to Pharaoh in his palace, and then no announcement to Pharaoh at all. These three sets of plagues will lead to the most devastating of them all, the tenth one, which is set apart to itself. Throughout the unfolding of these plagues, God never changes his terms with the Pharaoh. Let my people go. He says over and over again, there's no negotiation those are his terms. And the manifestation of his almighty hand across the land of Egypt reveals that he alone is God and that all humanity should worship, obey, and serve him. Serve the God of Israel. In Exodus 7:17, God states his purpose. By this you shall know I am the Lord. And just as the message before the Pharaoh never changes, the message for the world today never changes either. You see, there is nothing more miraculous than the Son of God being born as a baby, living a perfect life, dying a sinner's death, being placed in a tomb and rising from the dead three days later and ascending back to the right hand of the Father. By this you shall know that Christ is Lord. It is the message of the gospel and it is declared time and time again and the terms never change. In Acts 16, when the Philippian jailer was asked what he must do to be saved, Paul and Silas replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved. The problem with Pharaoh is that his heart remained hard. It was bent on the exaltation of idols. And the message from the first three plagues is not to become indifferent or hardened to the truth, but to recognize God as your provider. God shows through the first plague that he is the true provider of our livelihood. God turns the waterways of the Nile into blood. Egypt associated a number of gods with the Nile, most notably Hapi. This false god was exalted as the one who causes the whole land to live through his provisions. They would sing worship songs to Hapi in the same way that we sing songs to Christ. 
Hail to your countenance, so happy, who brings food, who is abundant of provisions, who creates every sort of good thing. And the Egyptians worshipped Hopi in conjunction with the Nile because the river served as its lifeblood of their civilization. The Nile provided their transportation means for imports and for exports. It served as their irrigation system to help grow their crops. It gave them water to drink and fish to eat. Does our, God, does our culture still worship a God like Hopi? I suggest that it does. I agree with Pat. What are we counting on for our provision? Is it the stock market and our 401k? Is it government programs? Is it technological advancements? What do we view as the lifeblood of our civilization? Satan wants to fool believers and unbelievers by his lies. He says, look at how prosperous you can become if you make work your God. Look at how protected you can become if you worship government. Look at how progressive you can become if you worship technology. But all of these things fall short. All of them can quickly fail us. False gods never provide us with the abiding peace that our hearts need. Where can we find such peace? The answer is the gospel. God provides it through blood that flows, not down the Nile, but down from the cross of Calvary. Worship Christ, not the false gods of this age. God then shows in the second plague that he is the true provider of life. Frogs covered the land. And this was a direct attack on the worship of the false god Hecate. Hecate was pictured as having a frog for a head. And much like cows in Hindu culture, Frogs were revered as a sacred symbol of life. As the frog goddess of life, one of Hecate's main responsibilities was to help women in childbirth. Egyptian women would turn to this god amid their pregnancies. Practically, I don't find it hard to connect the worship of Hecate with the world today. Do you know in Iceland they have found a cure for Down syndrome? It's abortion. That is saying 
that secular society has the right to determine which children live and which children die. And I equate this to the false god of Darwinism and its principle of life based on the survival of the fittest. It is sin, and it is why I will pray for life outside of Planned Parenthood in Fairview Heights on March 26th. Because God alone is the Lord of life. And don't you see God making a mockery of their so-called frog goddess as he sits in judgment over their idolatry? It's almost comical. Frogs here, frogs there, frogs everywhere. Brooke and I were, were floored when we were in India. We were, we'd arrived to Calcutta and we were in the um, little taxi um, vehicle that was taking us to where we were staying. And it was about a, I don't know, a 15 minute drive. And as we were driving through the streets of Calcutta, uh, no exaggeration, there was a herd of cows. Not, not one, not two, a herd of cattle coming down the main road that we were on. And cars were trying to do their best to steer away from the cattle. Pharaoh was floored when there were on his plates and in his bed frogs hopping everywhere. And so in chapter 8, verse 8, he asks Moses and Aaron to pray that the Lord would take the frogs away. It should not escape us that this was the very same Pharaoh who had earlier declared, who is the Lord? I don't know him. Pharaoh again models for us here the spirit of an unbeliever. It is the picture of suspicion over faith. A non-Christian friend of mine, I'm just going to call him Joe, was sharing with me about sitting with his young son as he was awaiting emergency surgery. And the doctor came to them before the procedure and, and asked if he would like for him to pray for his son. Joe told me in that moment, although he did not believe in prayer, he quickly said yes. The reason he told me was two. One, he said, if the doctor thought praying was going to help him do the procedure better, by all means, he wanted the doctor to pray. But second, if God did exist, it couldn't hurt to ask. Joe's son successfully came through that surgery, but Joe did not attribute any of that to the goodness of God. His response was the same as that of Pharaoh in Exodus 8, verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart. He just 
wanted a little space. And as soon as he had enough space to get his life back on his own terms, he had no use for God. Sadly, that is the way many people go about their lives. But God is not to be regarded as the man upstairs that we appeal to only when things look hard or bleak. And well, what could it hurt to ask for a prayer or two? No, we need to echo the song that Laura sang earlier. He is the provider of our daily bread. He is the provider of the air that we breathe. He is the sustainer of our physical lives. He is the supplier of our spiritual lives and our eternal well-being. He is our Savior. And we should be desperate every day for Christ. Next, God shows through the third plague that he is the true provider of order. The sudden infestation of lice across the land symbolized the chaos that the plagues intended to bring. I have some friends, the Pharisees, and they will tell you <laughs> that the infestation of lice in one's home leads to disorderliness. I've included, I don't know if the picture will show up here or not, but I have a picture of them um, coming back from the lice treatment centers of America. And um, Kenny and her children have on their heads these little shower caps. Kenny said that oil was dripping down her neck. And she got home and she was in a pair of shorts and a, and a top and, and she was having to clean her house, cleanse her house. She was vacuuming the tops of mattresses and the bottoms of mattresses. She was vacuuming the drapes. She was everything, disinfecting everything she could. And, and Michael called to check on her and she said, she told Michael, you get home. I'm about to lose my mind. <laughs> and that is what lice will do. It is contagious, it is itchy, it is annoying. And the chaos from the lice in Egypt was a direct challenge to the Pharaoh himself. There is an ancient text called the prophecy of Nefertiti, And that promises that when the king begins to reign, then order will come to its place and chaos shall be driven out. You see, the Egyptians believed that Pharaoh was a god. And they believed that he had the power to maintain cosmic order. It's what they called Marat. And by throwing their land into confusion, by throwing their land into discomfort, God was dispelling the notion that Pharaoh could ensure balance to the universe. Pharaoh could not be a god 
because only the real God can provide marat in the world. One thing that the past year should have driven home for our world is that we are not in control. As hard as we might try, we don't have the ability to hold everything in balance on our own. We need to turn our sense of control over to God, not to our intelligence, not to our talent, not to our strength, not to anything or anyone else. Whenever our lives get turned upside down, whenever our lives seem like they're being ripped apart, where can we find comfort? Where can we find calm? It is only through the provision of Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, For by him all things were created, and in him all things hold together. I cannot hold all things together, because like Pharaoh, I am not a god. But I'm sure you remember the children's song, He's Got the Whole World in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother. He's got you and me, sister. He's got us in his hands. And we can rest in that. In Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, King David writes, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. The almighty finger of God had reached down to touch Egypt. Yes, it was in judgment, but the plagues were intended. He said it. The plagues were intended that they would know that he alone is God. Only Pharaoh's magicians essentially wrote the definition from Merriam-Webster. This was an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. They were not drawn to a personal relationship with I am. They use an impersonal name for God, not Yahweh. They simply said this was the act of some deity that they could not replicate. When a natural disaster comes, many people refer to it as an act of God. When surveys are released, many people say they believe in a higher being. But when the gospel message is proclaimed, many people fail to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. They are not drawn to a personal relationship with Jesus. The time for Pharaoh to respond to the never-changing demand of God was immediate. 
A time to respond to the never-changing demand of the gospel is immediate. It is why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. The message of God is clear to sinners. Repent and receive Christ. Refusal leads to eternal death in hell. That is sad. That there are those given the opportunity to receive the love of Jesus in a real and personal way, choose instead to harden their hearts. Repentance should take place as soon as the finger of God reaches out to touch you. Each time we refuse the Holy Spirit's leading, our hearts grow harder like that of Pharaoh. Do you know Jesus today? Do not turn him away. Those are lyrics from the hymn 470, Without Him. It is the hymn that we will close our service with. And I invite you as Laura comes to lead that if today you have a decision to make, the altar is open. Come, pray. Whatever the Lord is leading your heart, however he's leading your heart, won't you respond? Let's stand together as we sing hymn 470 without him. <laughs>